Uh, we won't start a new series, God willing, until after Easter. Um, but I would like to consider tonight what could be termed a communion sermon. Uh, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper, as was announced after the meeting. And what I would uh, like us to do is consider uh, what we are uh, going to be involved in, in coming to the Lord's table. And my text is taken uh, from the Song of Songs, chapter 2. I actually opened the service with this verse, but let me read it again. Uh, chapter 2, verse 4, in the Song of Solomon, or the Song of Songs. He brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. Uh, now, as I said last Sunday evening, uh, this book written by King Solomon is a collection of love songs. And of course, it's about human love, the love between King Solomon and his bride-to-be called the Shulamites, if you've got a modern translation. But it is much, much more than that. It is also about the love between uh, Solomon's successor, Jesus Christ, and his people. We are the bride of Jesus, and he's the bridegroom. And uh, if you enjoyed the uh, wedding reception uh, last week, uh, there's going to be a bigger uh, wedding reception uh, when we get uh, to glory, uh, the marriage supper of the Lamb. And so we've got a description here uh, of the Church of Jesus Christ. And I just want to say three things about it, and then I'll be done. So the first thing I want you to look at is how the church is described. It's called a banqueting house. Now, I wonder, have you ever thought of coming to church as coming to a feast? Now, by banqueting house here, it's not a small house uh, that we should have in mind, but a big palace. This is King Solomon, remember and a banqueting room in this palace. And how amazing it is that this Shulamite, who would have been a shepherdess, that she was being invited to this banquet. Uh, now, rightly or wrongly, many of us brought up uh, in uh, Christianity tend to think of church or chapel as something that we have to endure. Uh, I hope not many here tonight have that attitude. But I can remember now having to go as a boy uh, to the Presbyterian Chapel in Llandidno Junction. And we only went on Sunday morning. My ordeal was over by lunchtime. And I had to sit for an hour through something that just reminded me of school assembly. It wasn't a feast for me. It, it was something that I had to suffer and the moment I was saved, my whole outlook of going to church, if it was a gospel preaching church, changed overnight. Now it was something I was looking forward to. Indeed, the Sunday was the highlight of my week because this was a feast for my soul. Now, have you ever thought of coming to church and of the Lord's Day as the red-letter day of 
the week and of the things that we do in this church. Now, sometimes we're called an old-fashioned church, and maybe in some ways we are, but actually we're not interested in being fashionable or unfashionable. We just want to be biblical. And we didn't invent the main things we are doing in this meeting tonight. Now, there are some things that are just traditional, but what have we been doing so far? We've been hearing the word of God read. Now, that's not something man-made. As Stuart Olliot said, that's the only perfect part of the service. My sermon isn't perfect. You're welcome to correct me afterwards. But the reading of the word is perfect. Doesn't that do something to your soul when God's word is read? I love the reading of the word. And then what else have we been doing? We've been singing, haven't we? Singing God's praises. Now, we haven't been entertained. If I want to be entertained, I'll go to a concert. What we're doing, and we're all involved in this, is praising the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, let me read uh, what Paul says about this. Now, the house of banqueting, which we're looking at, is translated the house of wine. That's the literal meaning. Now, I want you to bear that in mind as I read what Paul says. He says, Do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, in which is drunkenness. And then he's comparing it to something else or contrasting it. Don't be drunk with wine, but be drunk or be filled with the Spirit. And then he goes on to say, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Can you see the connection there? Uh, just as before we were saved, we might have been into uh, going for sessions. That's what we called it in uh, Welsh, sesh, sesh. Uh, people would just go to the pub and get drunk, have a sesh. Now, before we were saved, maybe that's what we were into. But now that God has done a work in our hearts, we're no longer interested in that. What we want now is to meet with God's people. Can you see the similarity and the contrast? Before, if we wanted to have a good time, we might have gone to the pub and we might have got drunk. But now, and I'm saying this at the risk of being misunderstood... If we want to have a good time now, we come to church. We have come to church. And I'm not being irreverent in putting it like this. In order to enjoy ourselves, we've come to a banquet in order to sing the praises of our Saviour. And don't you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit tonight to such overflowing that people outside mistake us for being drunk? Don't you want that? I do. So we're singing God's praise. We didn't invent this, you know. This is God-given. And then, what am I doing? Or I'm attempting to do. I've only preached twice, and both are in my dreams. I'm always attempting. What, what am I doing? I'm trying to lift Christ up. Bring God's word. Um, I love what one person said. I think he was Scottish. He's got to be Scottish because he's got the name Donald MacDonald. He said this. I'm not going to do the Scottish accents. What would we do for our souls without the preaching of the gospel? Isn't the gospel a feast? The gospel now. Not preaching on 
I don't know, the issues of the day, but the gospel. Would the word and the Lord's day be enough? No, it's not enough. If that were enough, the Lord would not have established preaching, but he's given preaching. Isn't there something about preaching that does something to our souls? That, that's why I've said I've only preached twice and that in my dreams. Oh, I long to be just a spectator and to see God speaking through me and speaking to your hearts. So this is a banqueting house, a place to feast upon the bread of heaven, Jesus Christ, the reading we had, to drink the wine, uh, the blood of Jesus Christ. And what about the Lord's Supper? The Lord's Supper. Isn't that a feast? Isn't that a banquet? If you look at the history of the church, not this church now, but the church at large, the last 2,000 years, the period when God has come down is when the gospel of Christ has been preached and especially the death and the blood of Jesus Christ has been preached. And often you will read of God visiting, that's coming down by his spirit, during communion services, during communion services. I don't know, have you heard of the Cambuslang revival in Scotland? One of the most powerful movings of the spirit in this country. And it happened uh, uh, many moons ago, 1742. It was a communion service, so they had preaching and communion. In Scotland, in communion seasons, they would have several sermons as well as communion. That's an appetite, isn't it? <laughs> oh, for such a spiritual hunger in our day. And the presence of God was so real, this was 11th of July, 1742, that it was agreed that they must celebrate again, and very soon. So these were very organised, prim and proper Scottish Presbyterians. Imagine them thinking, we've got to do this again. So... 15th of August, they organised another communion service. And do you know how many attended? 20,000. 1742. 20,000 people. That must have been the whole community and further afield. And hundreds of people were converted. And God was known and felt in the midst. The Cambuslang revival. Back here in Wales in the 18th century. Do you know when God visited the people in Llangaitho through Daniel Rowland? Daniel Rowland, let me remind you, was an Anglican. We had an Anglican man preach here, a gospel man preach here a few Sundays ago. Daniel Rowland was an Anglican. And do you know when the spirits came down? It wasn't during the sermon. It was when Daniel Rowland was reading from the Book of Common Prayer, or the Common Book of Prayer, as somebody called it. The Book of Common Prayer. And he was reading from the Eucharist, the communion service, and he was reading the words, by thine agony and bloody sweats, referring to the death of Jesus. And the Spirit came down. The Spirit came down. There was another meeting. Howell Harris was present in the congregation, an evangelist. Daniel Rowland was ministering. And you know what Howell Harris called it? He called it a royal feast because God came down. I don't know if this is the meeting, but Harris wrote to George Whitfield, another evangelist. Sorry, I'm getting carried away here. And he said, I was last Sunday at the ordinance with Brother Roland. He didn't call him the Reverend Roland, Brother Roland, where I saw, felt, and heard such things as I can't send on paper any idea of. The power 
that continues with him is uncommon. Such crying out and heartbreaking groans, holy joy and shouts of rejoicing I never saw. Their amens and crying glory would inflame your soul. Oh, Lord, do it again. Yeah? Don't you want that? I remember um, Glyn Morgan, a brother who's gone to glory now in Tregaron. Um, he was in this church uh, once under Mr. Hyam's ministry when God visited. And he said there was a communion service here. And Mr. Hyam said to Glyn, what a communion. What a communion. Because we weren't just here, were we? We were in heaven. The Savior was communing with us. Haven't we lost some emphasis here in our day? Um, do, do you know what our forefathers used to call a church building? Do you know what they used to call it? Not a Christian center. Not a community church. Now, a church is in the community. Don't get me wrong. But they didn't call it that. They called it a meeting house. And do you know why they called it a meeting house? Not because we were meeting one another. Because we were meeting Jesus Christ. Or may this be a meeting house. Do you know what, brothers and sisters? If this was a meeting house, even if we didn't do anything else for the rest of the week, if Jesus was to visit us here, we'd go out into the world and be powerful in our witness to him. A meeting house. So that's my first point. Uh, I've wittered on a bit there, but this is a banquet. Oh, May, may we come to church on Sunday with a desire, Lord, feed my soul. I don't care who's preaching. Well, as long as they're preaching the gospel. <laughs> Whoever they are, whether they're famous or whether they're just ordinary, Lord, speak to me. Don't look to the preacher. I'm hoping to go to the Banner of Truth conference tomorrow, and there are some big guns going to be speaking there. But I don't want to go and hear the big guns. I want to go and hear the big saviour. Speaking to them, um, pray for that, pray for that. Uh, now, my second point, who brings us here to the banqueting house? Look at the verse. He brought me, he brought me to the banqueting house. Who is that? He, Solomon, the king, Jesus has drawn us, hasn't he? <sighs> Why did you become a Christian? Can I ask you that? Why did you become a Christian? I know at some point you committed yourself, your soul especially, to the saving work of Jesus. But why did you do that? You were once against that. It was once completely foreign and even anathema to you. Why? It was his drawing, wasn't it? His drawing. And when God really works in power, people are drawn to church without knowing why. They've just felt compelled to come to the meeting house. And, oh, hasn't it been encouraging the last few years to hear of people coming to this church, not because of any leaflets, but simply because they had the desire. Pray that God would do more of that. Have you ever been to a banquet? Have you, have you ever been to a banquet? I've never been to a banquet. I've never been to... I'm using my imagination now. Um... I've said this many times, but I was in somebody's house many years ago and there was an invitation to, not a banquet, but the garden party in Buckingham Palace on their mantelpiece. Ooh, I'd have loved going there. There's an invitation, isn't there? There's an invitation. 
Isn't there an invitation to the gospel feast? Didn't we hear the invitation? Come, come, without money and without... Isn't that amazing? We don't need to pay to go to the best banqueting house in the world. I once, when I was um, a poor teacher, uh, me and my friends had heard that a Chinese restaurant somewhere in Cardiff, I can't mention it by name, was really good. So we went there. And we went upstairs to the restaurant, and they gave us menus. Uh, and we looked at the prices, and we just said, uh, we, better, we better be going. <laughs> it was too expensive. Oh, my friends, this is an expensive banquet. But somebody's paid for you. Somebody's pa- I was in a budget supermarket the other day. It's really excellent to shop there, because people are so kind. And... I had money to pay. I didn't have any cards. And I was 10 pence short at the till. This was, I was 10 pence short. And do you know what happened? The lady behind the till said, it doesn't matter. I'll give you that 10 pence. And I said, well, that, you can't do that. And she said, oh, yes, I can. That's very kind of you, I said. And then she turns to the lady behind me and she says, we loves to help. We, we loves to, to help. I'm going to shop there again. (laughs) My friends, uh, God loves to help. He loves to be merciful where mercy isn't deserved. The invitation. You've had the invitation. And then what else does he do? Oh, you know what else he does? We're unclean, aren't we? We can't come into the king's presence as we are. So there's a bath outside of this banqueting house, and he washes us in it. That's what's so significant about the blood. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that the Spirit blesses. The Spirit doesn't bless often preaching on the Spirit or preaching on revival. It's the blood, the blood that the Spirit applies. Uh, There was a powerful sermon in the 19th century under Ebenezer Morris or Ebenezer Richard. This blood, oh my friends, it's the blood that has washed us completely clean. We're sparkling. And then there's a dress code. There's a dress code. And it's not a suit. It's the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. I think as a church we would be much, much more healthy spiritually if we were proud of our robe of righteousness in Jesus Christ. That we didn't care about what people were wearing as long as they've got that beautiful robe of righteousness. Have you got it? Better than any suit. This suit will last forever. I'm always trying to preserve the life of my suits and it's impossible, but my robe of righteousness is never going to need repairing, never going to need replacing, and its beauty will never fade. Praise God. Jesus, thy blood and righteousness my beauty are and glorious dress. And what else? He transports us, doesn't he, to this banquet. Um, Do you remember I preached on Mephibosheth before the summer and King David invited Mame, lame in both feet, Mephibosheth, to come to the feast. And poor Mephibosheth couldn't come, could he, in and of himself. He didn't have the strength. So what did King David do? He didn't send a pair of crutches in the post. What King David did was bring Mephibosheth himself to the feast. Doesn't the Lord do that to you and me? He brings us. I am weak, but thou art mighty. 
this isn't something you'll find in a book. I heard it uh, from a lady. She's gone to glory now. Uh, but it was either John Stotts who was t telling her or um, Dick Lucas, either one of those, probably Stotts, when he was rector to, or chaplain to the Queen. I've got to get this right. I get my Anglican titles wrong all the time. He was a chaplain to the Queen at one time, John Stotts. And so he went, he was invited to um, Balmoral or Sandringham where they would have a barbecue. Now, this is a true story. And Stotts would find, lo and behold, arriving in this barbecue, who would be cooking the hot dogs? None other than the Duke of Edinburgh. Right? Royalty doing the cooking. And then he said, somebody dropped a hot dog. And John Stotts said, oh, let, let me clean that up. And then he found, as he was doing that, somebody else intervened and said, no, let me do that. And it was none other than the Queen. The Queen. And it's a bit like that in this banquet. What did the King of Kings say? I came not to be served, but to serve and give my life a ransom. For Isn't that amazing? Stooping, solo, but sinners raising. So who brings us to this banquet? He brought me. Now, it's not in our hymn book. Um, I found it in a Scottish book I got, Scottish Sermons. Um, um, Anne Cousins, did Anne Cousins do some of Samuel Rutherford's letters into poems or hymns? Well, this is what she wrote. Oh, I am my beloved, and my beloved's mine. He brings a poor, vile sinner into his house of wine, this banqueting house. I stand upon his merits. I know no other stand. There you are. There we are. Coming to the communion. His merits. Now, one last point. And this is a lovely, lovely truth. The banner, the banner over me was love. What's, what's this referring to? Um, the cover is the root word. Uh, this love of Jesus Christ is what covers the church. Isn't that right? When we think of the blood of Jesus Christ, what he's done for our souls, it's love, isn't it? Love to the loveless shown. Love. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, vast, unmeasured, boundless, free, rolling as a mighty ocean in its fullness over me. Underneath me, all around me, is the current of thy love, leading onward, leading homeward to my glorious home above. Oh, he's loved me and given himself for me. Lord, I'm amazed. I don't deserve any of this. Lord, I deserve hell. But what I found in coming to Jesus Christ when you drew me was that I was forgiven. I was going to heaven, but not just that. You've washed me as white as snow. You've cleansed me uh, and you've given me that robe of righteousness. And more than that, I'm in the banqueting house, the banqueting house. And you know, Mephibosheth, I referred to him earlier, when he was uh, brought into the banqueting house, he was sitting next to the king, next to the king. Love, L love. Um, I, I read from Chuck Swin Swindle when I preached from Mephibosheth. He's brilliant, imagining this. Imagine Mephibosheth now. Uh, the dinner bell rings at the king's palace and not Solomon, David comes to the head of the table and sits down. In a few moments, Amnon, clever, crafty Amnon, sits to the left of David. Lovely and gracious Tamar, a charming and beautiful young woman, arrives and sits beside Amnon. 
And then across the way, Solomon, young Solomon, walked slowly from his study, precocious, brilliant, preoccupied Solomon, the heir apparent, slowly sits down. And then Absalom, handsome, winsome Absalom, with beautiful flowing hair, black as raven, down to his shoulders, sits down. And then Joab comes in, the warrior, and David's commander, uh, and he's seated near the king. And then there's one spare seat, <laughs> and they hear... <laughs> the crutches <laughs> and Mephibosheth with no grace awkwardly finds his place at the table and slips into his seats and the tablecloth covers his feet and then Swindle says I ask you did Mephibosheth understand grace amen he did amazing grace uh, I remember being at Serene's and the table do you remember the tablecloth uh, we had uh, I can think of Mephibosheth and the tablecloth. And on this tablecloth were the words to amazing grace. <laughs> amazing grace. Don't fear coming to this table. It's grace, my friend. The love of Christ covering us. And then there's something else about the banner, isn't there? As I come to a conclusion. His banner over me is love. His flag over me is love. Coming back to Buckingham Palace. Now, maybe I'll get this wrong. How do you know if the Queen is in? How do you know if the Queen is in? These days, there's always a flag, I think, flying. But if the Queen is in, it's the, is it the House of Windsor standard? I think it's the House of Windsor standard that is flying. You know that if that flag is flying, the Queen is in. Maybe you're asking, how do I know if this King, Jesus, is in? How do I know if he'll accept a sinner like me? The answer is simple. Look at the flag. Look at the flag. You know, it's not the standard of the House of Windsor that's flying on this flag. It's a cross. And it's a red cross. And that cross says, God so loved even a sinner like you that he gave his only begotten son. God commends his love in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And you know what, my friend? That flag is ever flying. May that flag fly on this church. Uh, we can see a big flag outside advertising Holiday Bible Club. Oh, may there be always a flag, as it were, saying, come and welcome to this gospel feast. Jesus receives sinners, and we are such. And praise be to his name. He doesn't leave us as we are. Coming to him in our sin, he cleanses us and he makes us new creations and we now are able to come every Sunday not to have to go through the motions, not to have to endure, not endure church, but to be able to feast on this glorious gospel. May we know in the weeks and months to come what it is to feast in this house for his namesake.